This week on the Pushball Lakes podcast, we have a very special guest and possibly the world's fittest man, Mr. Ross Edgley. Hey guys, welcome to the Push Pull Legs podcast with myself, Dammy. And me, Tom Hall. What's going on, bud? Yeah, good. I'm speaking to you twice in two days, which is it's, annoying, but yeah, it's got to be done. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this is going to go out two weeks before Body Power. So if you're going to Body Power, um, let us know because we'll come and say hello. Um, and I'm sure that in a minute when we introduce our guest, I'm sure he's probably going as well. Um, so yeah, we have a special guest with us today, but before we introduce him, um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. So I'm at Dan team box. Tom's yeah. changes <laughs> at dot ppl dot um, podcast. So Tom who's, dot who's that? dot podcast. Just just go for any third space accounts. That's fine. Just click on Dan's thing. It's fine. I'll be all over yeah. that. So um, yeah. So without further ado, um, Mr. Ross Edgley has joined us today. What's going on, Ross? Oh, how's things, guys? <laughs> <laughs> I love I love how laid back this is. This is this is nice. This is chilled. You just got. There just got chill. tea, just catching up. <laughs> yeah, so so I suppose, Ross, to give you a background as to why we do this podcast, so basically me and Tom used to work together at Third Space in London. I then decided to move to Bath to get away from him, and he thought it would be a good idea if we did a weekly podcast <laughs> so that we could catch up every week still and still t- stay in touch. And that is literally what we do. We literally record our phone call once a week. <laughs> and for some reason, people like it. I have no idea this is exactly so with you know obviously with the book coming out and stuff i put out on my social media and i was like look guys i want to do a few more podcasts and get chatting and everyone was just like you need to go and catch up with tom and dan i was like okay cool and so it just seems like whatever formula you do it works it works yeah god knows why because we don't know any we don't know anything um and yet people just like listening to us rant um so yeah it's uh we do that's the one thing i suppose we do we do well is we do rant we do um we have a special feature at the end of our show called stupid things on the internet this week so i think that's that tends to be where we kind of go off on a tangent and we talk about some ridiculous thing that we found about oh i don't know some of what was it last week it was something about squats making your hips wide and like you oh, shouldn't ever do them no, it was, it was a classic of uh, bright side right they've given out loads of tips of just the how like yeah squats are definitely going to make your abs absolutely hyper, hypertrophy and they'll just yeah, yeah make you absolutely just and then the, the basically instead of squatting you should just do sit-ups it's fine actually fine um so that's exactly the same thing right um but without further ado i mean one of the main reasons we know ross um is here because Basically, he's got a book out, um, and we need to talk about it because um, everybody's oh. been spouting about it. To be honest, so we we need to we need to actually delve into what it's about, mate. I mean, we talked a bit pre-show just to let everybody know the listeners, so we know exactly what's going on. Dan's read the cover, um, so we'll be fine. <laughs> well, I mean, the only reason I've read the cover is because I can't open Instagram without seeing it at the moment. Yeah, it's no, like, I go on Instagram, right? and it's like, oh, what's well, book again? It's like, yeah, I'll definitely get a copy of that when it's out. So, yeah, so, yeah it's uh, it's worked, Ross. Whatever you've done, it's worked. So, that's amazing. 
No, that, that's it. I think the support has been amazing. And, and I know we were chatting off air about this, um, but just, just about the title, you know, The World's Fittest Book. And, and I probably need to start by, by saying, you know, it is a bold title, but it's, uh, it's very much a sort of testament to the people who have helped actually write it. So, you know, the strength chapter, I was lucky enough to write that with uh, Andy Bolton. So, you know, first guy to deadlift a thousand pounds, seven time powerlifting champion, uh, world powerlifting champion, uh, Jeff Capes, two times world's strongest man, um, you know, the speed chapter written with the help of Linford Christie. Um, and, and so it's really a testament to, to those, uh, I, I say in the book, Michael Foucault, who's a, a famous French theologian, and he said, you know, I'm no guru. My job is to make windows where there were once before. And so certainly with this, I'm kind of like, look, I'm not the guru here. I just ran around with my notepad and pen, you know, collating the teachings of these incredible people. You know, I'm I'm definitely not going, I'm the world's fittest, you know, man, this is my book. That's not what it is. So, yeah. But honestly, Ross would have literally run around and gone to these people's but. <laughs> literally just yeah. yeah how far is it oh yeah let's uh, six marathons now nah, that's fine yeah all right let's go <laughs> yeah so so ross ross told us uh before we came on air that he was like oh sorry if i'm a bit tired i've just swam 20 kilometers now <laughs> that's that's more than i've swam in my life combined yeah, as I a mean... total and and probably actually i'm gonna go on out on a limb combined run and swim together <laughs> in in a day than I've been in my life. so yeah, crazy, crazy man. And Tom used to do a bit of swimming, and I can't imagine he ever used to swim that far in a, mate, in a session. Uh, sprint, sprint, fifty meters to hundred meters. There, yeah, I'm, I'm flying down there, mate. I'll, I'll challenge you that, Ross. But apart from that, I will die if I had to turn around in the pool. Um, it's not. Yeah. It's just. It just becomes like an eating competition, really. <laughs> the top aware just at the end of like the lane and you see all the casual swimmers are just like what is he doing he's been in here hours and i'm just eating it's just it is it's just an eating competition with a little bit of swimming basically <laughs> that's amazing so i mean like more on the book you, you kind of said oh, i know in terms great. of your uh like breakdown of the book you said it's more towards so it kind of encompasses every single type of training um of where what you said in your blurb about it. Um, what do you think is maybe the highlight of person you chatted to, or if you had to pick one out for, if it was general training, sprint training, strength training, obviously ultra stuff that you do. Is there any kind of highlights that personally that's, you were you were looking at it? Yeah. That's a that's a really good question. Just because I think like um, obviously the, the the strength chapter I'm very very proud of just because you have uh, you know Jeff Capes and, and Andy Bolton. But I think what's been really nice is they're very sort of well celebrated a lot of people you know know about them whereas um the endurance chapter of the book sort of talking about what i learned from the sam bushman of namibia so i lived in in africa for for a month and i was i was out there living with them hunting sort of covering an ultramarathon a day in search of food um and what was amazing is comparing what i learned there about barefoot running forefoot striking you know proprioception in the feet everything like that that they intuitively understood not because they'd read studies and everything they just kind of intuitively understood that is would help them you know run 100 kilometers to go and get food and then coming back over to england and then sort of running my first fell race and immersing myself in everything that is the lake district and fell running some mountain running you know they had very similar biomechanics and intuitively understood again not through studies but just because they were like oh you know my my great 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 granddad used to run in these shoes and you know he'd run up that scarfell pike quicker than you know anyone else and so there was this kind of forgotten 
folklore of fitness, you know, and the exchanging of ideologies. And that's genuinely why I love what you guys do, because it is, I know you you say, oh, you're just catching up on the phone, but that's how fitness used to be. There'd be just an exchange of ideologies, you know, the 18th century strongmen of Europe, you know, Eugene Sandow, father of bodybuilding, that's what it was. They'd just go, oh, Tom, what works for you? Dan, what works for you? You'd be like, oh, I don't know, I tried this the other day. And, so that's, yeah, I think the endurance chapter probably. Yeah, because of the unsung heroes of it. I guess so. Yeah, there's the this the kind of like I don't know. It sounds bad to say, but it's the far less sexy kind of uh, mm. part of fitness, right? The endurance. I mean, we've said it before on this podcast that nobody comes to a stand like wanting to change their physique and goes, "I definitely want to look like Mo Farah." Um, and we're <laughs> like, that doesn't doesn't generally happen. Um, we love Mo, but yeah, that doesn't happen, right? Apart from Rakesh, obviously. Um, that's one it's, of Dan's yeah, former clients that looks exactly like him. So. It's a funny. It's a funny one, actually, because I think you're dead right. I think it's one of those where I I look at strong men and I look at, at all that sort of stuff, and I understand why people find those feats, you know, of, of strength incredible and they're celebrated. But I think there's an element of endurance that, for me, I just the reason that I think it deserves so much more credit is that I just think you have to be insane to do it. Like to to, to lift up to lift up a hundred, you know, a hundred you know, odd kilos over your head over and over again. It's kind of like, well, yeah, you just do that until you can't do it anymore. But with like endurance stuff, it's not that you can't do it. It's that you've got to, you, your brain is, is kind of like, well, okay, I could do it. I could carry on, but can I be bothered? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing with me with endurance. It's like, I could do a thousand calories of cardio a day, but can I be bothered to do it? Whereas <laughs> I physically can't lift a hundred kilos over my head over and over again. It gets to a point where you just literally physically can't do it. Whereas with the endurance stuff, it's as much mental as yeah. it is physical. So I always appreciate that. And I think to myself, like anyone who runs a marathon for me, I'm like, hats off to you. Cause I just couldn't do it. I just wouldn't, I just don't know where they get that drive and desire to do it from. Like, that's why I'm, I'm interested to, to find out from you, I guess, where that, where that desire to go, I'm going to swim 20 kilometers in a pool today comes from. Like, where does it come from? Yeah. I, Cause do you know what? And, and this was partly the reason that I started writing the book as well is because so many ideologies kind of started to become blurred. And what I mean by that is obviously we've got, you know, the components of fitness, you know, strength, speed, stamina, cardiorespiratory endurance. And, and we're always trying to put things into pigeonholes. So we're always trying to say, you know, he is an endurance athlete. He's a bodybuilder and he's a, he's a power lifter and never should the two worlds mix because, you know, they, they've got to be separate. Whereas to use an example that's sort of, you know, cause we're all very familiar with, with power lifting, you know, Andy Bolton, uh, whenever you, if for anyone sort of listening, if you've not seen it, you know, look at the first thousand pound deadlift. And when you see him deadlifting, Andy Bolton used to always grip the bar and perform what looked like three knee bends before he actually went to go and lift the bar. Reason being, he was applying principles of, of speed training. Verkashansky, one of the greatest strength and conditioning coaches to ever live, he pioneered the jet, the depth jump. And that was if me, Tom and Dan all went down to the gym and we were like, right, box jumps. And we started to see who could jump the highest on a box jump. Verkashansky found that by jumping from something that was slightly elevated, landing, so there's an eccentric contraction in the legs. The legs are in tension, but they are lengthening. You store that elastic energy, that kinetic energy in the legs, and you have a more powerful box jump afterwards. There's a more powerful concentric phase. And that's what Andy Bolton was doing when he was basically performing those little knee bends when he was going to, uh, to deadlift. And it was basically using the, that elastic energy, kinetic energy, 
um, to, to generate force, strength, your body's ability to generate force. So it was kind of like, well, hang on, Andy, are you speed training right now or are you strength training? You know, because they're kind of blurred. Then Andy would be throwing up like 200, 300 kg deadlifts, but for speed, you know, to increase his rate of force development, which again is a speed training principle. So it was like, well, hang on, the lines are becoming a little bit blurred here. Then, you know, when I was down at Brunel training with Linford Christie, Linford's repping like 150 kilos on the bench for reps. And it's like, well, hang on, you're really strong, but are you speed training or are you strength training now? And it kind of comes back to this idea that, you know, oh, and then finally, sorry, to loop back round to, to your point there, Dan, about endurance, people don't realize that Jeff Cape, yes, he was the two-time world's strongest man. He was an amazing fell runner. He used to run marathons as well, like, you know, all 26 stone of him, but he used to run marathons. So when you start looking at, um, you know, Pudzianowski, uh, Bill Kazmaier, a lot of the strong man of old, um, you know, they were huge components, uh, proponents of, um, basically fusing strength and stamina so when you do have this hybrid approach you know and you you take someone you know as, as strong as jeff kate and and so his body's ability to generate force but then for endurance training he's improving capillary density he's improving his body's ability his cardiorespiratory endurance so he can recover between sets to go back to your example dan he's then better able to put that 100 kilos repeatedly above his head because he has that cardio background and I think that's what I found really interesting with everybody that I've met is although they are experts in that chosen field they're actually really good at all different things you know all these different components of fitness I think that's the benefit of I think that's the benefit of training in general I think I've I've certainly found just from focusing purely on a more bodybuilding approach of being strong and getting bigger muscles that I am by definition fitter. Like I don't run anymore, but when I need to run, I find it a lot easier than when I used to run, put it that way. So it's kind of like, I, I, I think there's definitely something to be said. And I'm now fair again, I've done no sprint training for the last five years, but I know I'm quicker now than I ever have been. Um, and there's definitely that, that carryover. And I think, you know, your approach, which has been, um, do everything, um, <laughs> seems to be, seems to be a good one because you're probably pretty, pretty fit and you look pretty good for it as well. So it's one of those things where I think we often, uh, we have our favorite things we like doing, but I think I'm as guilty of it as anyone that I don't do any cardiovascular training unless I absolutely have to. And I know that sort of some bodybuilders now even are talking about cardio in an off season in terms of improving their recovery um, so that they can recover between sets as you talked about and and there is a, now a movement there does seem to be a shift of actually no is there more to be is there a case to be made for improving stamina in an off season for someone who is a strength athlete because actually you recover quicker you get more volume in eat more food grow more all those sorts of things so it's definitely kind of started to go that way with the the kind of hybrid athlete and there's a really famous not really that famous actually but there's a uh, there's a, a an endurance athlete i can't oh what's his name uh in america he does both um alex, yeah. alex what's his name sorry yeah alex Vaidi, yeah that's the one and like i've seen you see him and how he trains and i'm literally there going oh my god and he puts out so much information about just because you think you want to be a bodybuilder doesn't mean you can't do some cardio or vice versa yeah um so yeah alex really really good Alex is incredible. So a good friend of mine, and he is incredible. So he's got a, a 300 kg deadlift, and he does Ironmans for fun, you know. So yeah, yeah anyone, just Google him. He is mm. insane. But what's amazing about Alex is 
he he is a specimen, like he is a genetic beast. But at the same time, he does actually break down systematically how you can do that the same way that we do throughout the book. So it is, you know, for so long, when you look at um, Robert Hickson's theory on concurrent training, you know, he was saying that strength and stamina can't coexist. So it's like, you know, we got Tom and he goes into the gym and he either needs to train for strength or, or stamina, but you can't do both. So we wouldn't have Tom jump on a treadmill, do 10K, then jump off, then try and put up his best ever squat, you know, because, and this is Robert Hickson was saying, he believes that you would dilute the potency of the stimuli. So on a cellular level, your body will be like, seriously, which one do you want us to adapt to, strength or stamina? But we're not gonna do both. Um, but one thing that Alex does, and certainly one thing that, that I've learned from him is, you're able to separate those, those workouts. So, you know, again, using Tom as an example, it'd be like, right, in the morning, what are we doing? And it's like, okay, we are gonna swim 20K, you know, we're gonna drill biomechanics, aerobic fitness, even drilling like nutritional strategies. So looking at energy pathways, great. That is very clear and concise. That is what this workout is about. You then, you know, go, you train clients, you chill out all day, you refeed. And then in the afternoon, that's when we're going to strength train. So your body's ability to generate force, but we're separating the two all while considering the body in its entirety and going, do we have enough adaptive energy? Again, a principle of Verkashansky to make sure that you can adapt to both in just 24 hours. And I think that's what's key whereas too many people would try and fit that 20k swim with you know their bench press squat bench deadlift then they'll see their friend doing like biceps in the corner and go yeah i haven't trained my arms this week you know and the body's just going whoa this is diluted you know and that that's what's really great about the book it's kind of teaching you to systematically run your body rather than being that you know jack of all trades running around the gym you know yeah I think it's great. Like, I think it, it just relates into literally everything that's coming out of uh, the NCA at the moment with all co like collegiate athletes, and they're looking at people who are, are far more like multi-sport as well in terms of multi-skills that they'll they will take them higher into just when when they do decide to go down one route and specialize, they're fucking hot shit because they've skill acquisition from every other thing and probably trained from different stimuluses. And then they're going like, actually I'm number one pick. Like I'm great. Um, that's how good I am because I do a load of other stuff. I mean, NFL drafts this week, that's probably cause I'm, this is in my mind, but yeah, that's probably what they're going into. So you you'd rather have a multi-athlete that's going to dominate after they select than just like drill somebody. Obviously there's freaks in nature. Like I guess the Williams sisters that just did tennis since they were one year old. Right. But, um, there's just people who are just multi-skilled. Like I guess Gary Lineker wasn't basically an England cricket cricketer. Really, he was uh, like country, right? But then he can adapt and go play football. So it's multi-skill. Hang on a minute, you just you saying cricket is a sport there, Tom? You're going to give me some credit <laughs> playing cricket there. You usually give me shit all day for playing Absolutely. cricket. Well, and I, you can't, just, you I just can't really say anything because like I played golf about three three times yeah. last weekend. So. Oh, <laughs> But I think that's the other thing as well. We give cross. We we we're not huge fans of CrossFit in general. Um, <laughs> well, we, we can be. As it's, can be. as it's done by the majority, anyway. Like, but I think that's the one thing that CrossFit's brought. I think is the is the fact that people can look at someone and go, "Ah, oh, I really want to look like that. That physique's quality." And actually, you realise they can run miles, they can do all this cardio. And I think that has certainly made people very aware that you you can have both and look very, very, very athletic. Um, and I that's think. Exactly for as much as we bash it, that's, that's one but, thing. But, but, but you, but you can't make them ride bikes. So as we found out from the last coffee <laughs> games, so <laughs> I 
that was probably the funniest that's, thing I've ever seen. <laughs> you're so right in that, like, and so this is this is again, you know, coming back to the book when we, if it's a concept of I suppose general physical preparedness. So again, a lot of things that we're talking about we've known for hundreds of years, and it's so nice. So. Again, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not hating on CrossFit at all, but they essentially took what was general physical preparedness, you know, a Soviet Union training principle that imagine way back in the day, Soviet Union, I'm head coach and I'm handed a young Dan and a young Tom and they, they come to me, you know, they're six years old and it's just like, okay, like, what do we do? We don't know if they're going to be big, strong, tall, small. We don't know. So what we would do is this thing of, of general physical preparedness where we would have you do these like natural movement patterns, lunge, climb, crawl, you know, nothing specialized, really general. And what with this would do was lay a neurological foundation. So this completely like understanding of kinesthetic awareness, proprioception, you understand how to work your muscles and joints cohesively. Then later, once you started to specialize and it's like, oh, hang on, you know, oh, you know, Tom's quite tall now. OK, oh, OK, you know, Dan's looking quite strong. Then we can start to specialize. And, and that's what you were saying, you know, Tom, about you're able to then use that neurological foundation to go, right, OK, now you can pick this up and you'll find that they'll take to it so much quicker. You use the, uh, the Williams sisters, which is a, a great example, um, but their dad used to have them boxing. So they knew how to footwork, throw a punch, generate force. They understood that. Andre Agassi as well. Um, his dad famously used to hang a small tennis ball um, from the cot. So, you know, he was kind of used to hitting this ball, hand and eye coordination. And it doesn't matter where you look back through history, there was always this element of, of you can call it general physical preparedness. You can call it body weight training, calisthenics. You can even call it CrossFit. But it's all the same thing. And I think that's my only thing with CrossFit. I'm like, I think it's done more good than harm. Um, and I think it's great for, for most people. But let's not uh, say it's revolutionary. You know, it's just this general physical preparedness, you know, that, that we've known for hundreds of years. That That's all, you know. So, yeah, not hate on CrossFit, but also... <laughs> Not celebrating. <laughs> yeah, when when you say when you say it's brought more good than harm, you mean fifty one percent good, forty nine percent harm. Pretty close. It's pretty close. Like the amount of people that the amount of time you scroll on Instagram, CrossFit fails come up. You're like, oh, here we go again. Yeah, yeah. No, you shouldn't have been doing that, mate. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right. Um, so what so what does Ross Esley's training look like at the moment? Obviously, we've touched on twenty k swimming, right? But what obviously but using the principles that was, probably from that the was book. just the morning. So he's having. Oh this, no, that like, was just the morning. Yeah, so, yeah that's, why I'm, that's yeah, but, why I'm intrigued because <laughs> this Ross is his said, break. Oh, it's just his work, said, and now he's Ross he's got said, something oh, he, afterwards. The best thing was he said, "Oh, when Tom does a twenty k swim in the morning, then does chest in the afternoon." I was like, "Well, for no, one, like, he ain't finished by the afternoon." <laughs> but I'm, I'm now intrigued as to like what it is, what it is that you you know you, how you recover from that, and then. You know, like I touched on before, and I think the the connection went a bit funny. But I want to know, yeah, like your nutrition, like what you eat on a day, but also what your training looks like over the week, and then also what you're training for, because obviously you you must use the principles from the book to develop your your training, or you must have have used that as the basis for what you do. So I'm intrigued to know how, yeah, just how much you do in a week. That yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. I th I think, um, I and mean, I wish I could show you a little bit later. We've got the. Uh, so we've got a gym set up at home, which uh, my girlfriend does not like. As you can imagine, it takes up most of the house. But essentially, as we were talking earlier about, you know, adaptation, you know, so 
Uh, Hans Selye, 1936, you know, famous Hungarian physician, and he came up with the general adaptation syndrome. Very simple. All he found that was by taking a lab full of rats and giving them a, a lethal dose of poison, they would die. But by giving them a little bit of a dose of poison, a little bit more, a little bit more, they would build up an intolerance to it. Um, we then found out that, you know, this is how the body adapts stress and stimuli it's that simple so in any given day you can only subject your body to a certain amount of stress and stimuli otherwise you're going to die like Hanselia's rats so essentially so that was a really weird <laughs> <laughs> I, I often I often do compare cardio and poison that's, <laughs> that's, that's how I feel about cardio so. so the reason I train at home is so I can basically get as many adaptations in one single day as possible. And I can subject my body to as much stress and stimuli as possible. Now, I, I know I'm an extreme example, and I always say I wouldn't advise this lifestyle for like most people. But I think one takeaway for, for everyone sort of listening is, you know, at any given day, you can get more adaptations into your day. You know, so I know, you know, obviously you guys, you you work in the gym, you have a lot of gym, you spend time in the gym. So you can sort of sit down and in any given day in, in 24 hours, you can say, okay, what adaptations could I achieve? You know, so for me, it's a 20K swim in the morning um, where you're drilling, biomechanics, aerobic fitness. Um, by the afternoon, having eaten, I might do some some intervals on the air bike where you are looking at lactic threshold and, and anaerobic fitness. Again, eating more. And then by the afternoon, you know, something like strength and mobility. So your body's ability to generate force with increasing the range of motion as well. So at any given point, you've got such a specific adaptation in mind. And I think that's one thing, if you can't, whether it's a client or yourself or any PTs, you need to be able to just stop yourself or someone else and say, what adaptation are you trying to achieve? And if they can't answer you in that moment, or they give you a really long-winded answer, it's like, well, that's probably not specific enough. Um, so yeah, in a given day, that, that is kind of a day, 20K swim, aerobic fitness, uh, interval training, uh, lactic threshold, anaerobic fitness, by the afternoon, strength training, and then repeat. <laughs> Mad. <laughs> I mean, I, I love how you've gone for the eat that frog principle of getting the shittest one out of the way first. That is definitely the best thing to do. If I had to do them, I'd do them in that order, I think. But yeah. I just don't, yeah, I mean, I can't fathom, like I said, in terms of calories, you must just burn through. You must be, what, nearly six, 7,000 a day, something like that? Oh, yeah. So we, we actually had it monitored on the, the swim last year. Um, so for those, for those who don't know, so yeah, last year it was it was a terrible idea. I swam <laughs> Martinique to Saint. This is bad. So I swam from Saint Lucia to Martinique, uh, which is forty kilometers in the Caribbean, uh, towing a hundred pound tree. Uh, but because the currents and tides were so bad, I I didn't reach the beach. I ended up swimming a hundred kilometers, uh, swam for thirty two hours, and still couldn't find the beach. So I never made it. I never actually got to, it wasn't successful. But because of the, the reason I bring that up is because, and you'll, you'll know from all sort of calorie uh, calculators you have out there, they can't uh, account for your own biomechanics, you know, and, and your, you know, either efficient running or inefficient running or swimming. And it certainly can't account for p pulling a hundred pound tree. So it was really hard to actually calculate the number of calories we were going through. All I know is I was sometimes putting away 15,000 calories a day and um, and was still remaining the same 
sort of body fat. So as per the laws of thermodynamics, I was probably going through that, you know. So yeah. <laughs> so what, what? Sorry. So so Dan, what was what was your uh, calories last week? Oh mate, sixteen hundred a day. <laughs> a week yeah. in compared to a day. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, fucking ten days. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah literally. Great. Like it's, it's <laughs> one of those where like I, the, the only reason I'm I'm so curious is that uh, like you know I can at the height of an off season I think the the most I've been on um just doing just doing weight training no cardio and just barely moving all that much is around three three and a half thousand i can kind of eat a fair amount i kind of burn a fair amount off just 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 being a lot just being alive and i i fidget a lot and i'm quite sort of yeah, yeah. On, on edge a little bit and you've seen the same way that's why i was curious to know if you've done if you've done a 20k swim like literally how many calories would you need because that's an insane amount of food and I just, I mean, surely you're just hungry all the time. <laughs> like, you just constantly want to eat food. Yeah, do you know what? That, you, you, you made a really good point there in that when you are swimming for like, you know, 12 hours a day sometimes or 32 hours, you know, so I actually went through the night and almost went in two days. Um, there's no such thing as pre-workout, post-workout. It's all intra, you know, and, and I think that's the thing. So... And also as well, when you start looking at, um, you know, how how much more absorbent the body is so when you're depleted of muscle glycogen, you know, from swimming, you know, across the Caribbean Sea with a tree attached to your trunks, you know, you, you have crazy insulin sensitivity. Anything you eat is going to be absorbed and assimilated really well. Yeah. The same way that, you know, protein synthesis is elevated post-workout when it's like, well, when's post-workout if I'm swimming for 32 hours? So it's just, it all becomes like intro. So on, I mean, my question, I suppose, on those 3,000 calories, how, how did you feel? Did you feel bloated? Did you feel you were assimilating it? Did you feel your body was like? Yeah, I feel pretty good on that. Like, you know, it's when, for me, it was always a case of, I've always struggled to kind of gain, gain muscle. Um, and I have to put away a decent amount of calories. And I just got to the point where, I would just not feel hungry um, and I'd have to kind of go liquid calories and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, I just, for me, some days I, I've eaten, like even when I push it to near 4,000, um, I just literally sit there some days and I'm just like, I can't be bothered. So that's why I just, I don't, that's what I mean. I don't get how you have the time to go, oh, I'm going to get down this 8,000 calories now before I go and do my next session. Because <laughs> I, like I said, I eat a thousand some days. I'm like, oh God, more food sometimes. And it's, um, yeah, like I said, I'm pretty active and, and I don't put on weight that quickly. So I just I just can't imagine what it must be like if you're that way inclined and you're doing all this extra stuff. Because again, you're not a small guy, like you've got pretty decent muscle mass. Um, so again, your your body is gonna be flying through calories, just yeah. just synthesizing new protein, you know, replacing glycogen. I just I just can't fathom how you yeah, get through it and that's, recover well enough. Like, yeah. I mean, but your 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 body does start to intuitively like know what it needs so on the second uh, sort of leg of the swim like my body knew it was kind of void of electrolytes I, I knew that was becoming an issue as I was cramping so you know I was shouting at the boat I was like what do you have and and they were like we've got coconuts I was like right you know so I was just nailing coconuts <laughs> so it's weird how your body intuitively knows what it needs but and also as well I should point out because this is probably um certainly the, the best podcast to talk on it because I know your listeners are a little bit more clued up than, than most, but um, it's not always food as well. It's not 15,000 calories of food. So when you start to look at um, MCT uh, oil or MCT powder, some medium chain triglycerides, um, MCTs act 
they are a fat, but they act more like a carbohydrate. And, and I think obviously crazy calorie dense as well. So it has the calorie density of a fat, but it acts like a carbohydrate. So to make up 15,000 calories, when people go, whoa, that's nuts. I'm like, oh yeah, no, it would be like, I'd be force feeding myself. Like, could you imagine like 15,000 calories of like rice, you know, or like sweet potatoes? So I'm, I'm always like, look, you know, that's not the case. You know, you can quite easily chow down on, you know, MCT, you know, oil or, um, you know, coconut oil, um, but pure MCT powder as well, which is higher in Capricorn caprylic acid, which are more easily converted to ATP. So the adenosine triphosphate, the, the molecular energy of the muscles. So when you are using something like that and you're supplementing with it, it's a lot easier Having said that, anyone who's listening thinking MCT powder, we, what sort of caution, word of caution, you have to train your digestive system. If you do nail that, you will be sort of very good friends with the toilet if you go too hard on it. So just kind of like. I think it's one of those yeah. where it's one of those where as well you have to do the twenty thousand the k swim first before I think you you warrant having that uh, before any of my clients decide Sky. on their two and a half thousand calories that they're going to drink some MCT oil. No, that's not. Uh, yeah. I would love them just to turn around and be like, Dan, I put this in my. This is definitely what I put in my uh, my fitness pal. You're like, what? Great, <laughs> all right. <laughs> So um, on on the uh, the note, obviously it was something I was going to bring up on that swim anyway, Ross. Um, and I've watched a bit of an interview of you. The original idea I know was to swim the channel doing that, right? <laughs> it was. It was, yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I find it's fucking hilarious. And the, obviously, like health and safety or whatever. About what to, about what to was to talk about the? Uh, <laughs> what, what was the story about becoming a vessel? Oh, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I because. You know, obviously, the English Channel holds uh, certain significance for us. You know, we are, yeah. you know, we are a nation who's very proud of the English Channel. So that's that seemed like the logical one to swim. So I rung up when I was doing my research and initially wanted to do this, and I rung up the uh, the the harbour authorities, and I was like, oh hey, look, I, I want to swim the English Channel. They were like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we'll send you all the paperwork, and you can get all that figured out. I was like, fantastic. I said, oh, just a small point. And this guy who I was speaking to on the phone, really nice guy. And he was just, I said, oh, just a small point. I want to do it towing a tree. And he was just like, what? Well, you're not allowed. And I was like, why not? <laughs> and he goes, because you're not a registered vessel. And then to my reply was, well, how do I become a registered vessel? And, uh, and then he hung up the phone on me. <laughs> So I still don't know how to become a registered vessel. I'd love that. Just sign off your emails, Ross Edgley, registered vessel. <laughs> That's Colin. You can you can keep your, your PhDs and your SIRs yeah, and your MDs. Uh... I want to be a registered vessel. Yeah. I'm legally allowed so to tow shit it. across there. <laughs> Just by myself. Great. Yeah, good. <laughs> That's amazing. So then the Caribbean heard about it, and as you can imagine, health and safety is a bit more relaxed out there. And they were like, "You want to do what? Yeah, come out here. It's fine." Yeah, just... So then we did it out there instead. Amazing. <laughs> that's phenomenal. Well, I mean, like speaking on obviously, that's we're on the extreme side of fitness right now. Um, and I guess looking back at your extreme side of ultra stuff, what was the first mental challenge that you did, and what made you decide to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So the first one uh, was probably uh, what became known as the world's strongest marathon, uh, which is uh, running a marathon, 26.2 miles, uh, pulling uh, a 1.4 ton car. 
Uh, well, a little bit heavier than that. My friend was in it driving, um, but I made him diet down for it. So. <laughs> that, that makes all the difference. That definitely that. that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so that was uh, basically we sat around and and i wanted to do something for the teenage cancer trust my friend was was diagnosed with cancer he's absolutely fine now um but the teenage cancer trust were amazing in in they build for those who don't know they they basically build wards and before the teenage cancer trust if you were a teenager diagnosed with cancer you were treated in the elderly ward or the children's ward there was nowhere in between and so that's why the work that the, the teenage cancer trust do is amazing and and i got to see that first time with my friend so when we wanted to do something to raise money for that everyone was just sort of sitting around exactly like you guys are just throwing around like ideas and stuff and you know i had friends you know similar to you where we just kind of went okay let's raise money and it was like what can you do run a marathon people were like no that's been done i'll oh, run two marathons oh that's been done and then someone just went you need to run a marathon pulling a car that's what you need to do ross and i was like right cool done <laughs> I, I, love, I love how you didn't go let's tune it down a bit from there though let's go somewhere <laughs> between a marathon and a marathon with a car let's go somewhere in between you're like no let's go for it yeah why not well that was it escalated so quick so my friends um He's a motor racer. And so Silverstone heard about this and Silverstone were just like, this is fantastic. And ob obviously they were like, you need somewhere flat. And I was like, well, Silverstone is pretty flat. Uh, well, no, I say that. I thought it was flat. I can tell you now it definitely isn't. Definitely not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah. And so Silverstone, they were amazing. They threw us the keys to Stowe Circuit, which is the one in the middle. And they just said, like, it's yours for the weekend. Like, you know. As, as long as you need it so yeah it took 19 hours um but eventually it was horrible <laughs> it was well, i, I want to know what the worst like injury you've had from one of these things is not injury but like i can imagine your feet at the end of that much just being pieces like what's the worst like not the worst maybe mental challenge in terms of the actual challenge but like the aftermath of like yeah like yeah. carrying stuff or Good yeah question. Yeah, no, so the triathlon, so it was an Olympic distance triathlon carrying a tree, relatively unscathed. You know, I recommend it. It was fine. But um, <laughs> the worst was the world's longest rope climb, which was I climbed a rope, well, a 20-meter rope repeatedly for, again, 19 hours. It seems that's my cutoff. <laughs> um, until I climbed the height of Everest, so 8,848 meters. My hand, I've still got calluses from that. I, I burned through about 10 pairs of gloves, like rubber gloves, just clean through, yeah. But the, the again, I, and I wouldn't have thought this at the time, but because if you can imagine, you know, for those climbing, you know, rope and, and you kind of lasso your foot around, but because I'm right footed, I was constantly leading with that and I didn't think to drill both. So my right foot was just taking a battering for 19 hours and I remember I, I jumped down, this was like 10 hours in, and I just felt as I landed on the floor, just, it was like I jumped in a puddle. And I was like, that's weird, it's not been raining. And I looked down and I just couldn't see anything. And, and it was, I cannot do it justice. The, the skin down the entire side of my right foot had just blistered and then just flapped over me. <laughs> oh, that was just this, giant blister <laughs> popping so yeah and then i just was like do you know what just um salotape it up and i've got to keep going <laughs> oh my good lord so what okay then next one what what's the earliest you've been in going into a challenge the earliest point when you've gone fuck me why have i done this 
Like, what's the earliest point? Like, you've got to like, is it after ten minutes, thirty minutes? Like, and which challenge was it? Yeah. Oh, because there must be one. Like, I do it all the time. Like, I get on the. I'm, I mean, I get on the cardio machine five minutes. <laughs> I'm like, I imagine it's pretty similar to that, right? Like, just you know, yes. <laughs> Do you know? You raised such a good point, though, Dan, because it's. Um, I, I talked about this recently. So it's uh, Tim Notes came up with this idea, the central governor theory, and all it is is he says that. Uh, well, theorizes that. Fatigue is an emotionally driven state that our brains kind of tell our body, whoa, this is horrible, this is horrible. And it's it's trying to basically get us to uh, pull the handbrake on, the physiological handbrake. So we would have all, all experienced it or, or anyone who's run, you know, 10K, half marathon, whatever, you know, where you're like, I absolutely can't go on. This is horrible. I'm in pieces. I give up. But then all of a sudden, you know, when you see the finish line, everyone's cheering. Oh, hang on. You've got like a second wind from nowhere. And it's this idea that, you know, our brain is trying to preserve the homeostasis in our body. So exactly what you just said there, Dan, when you go, oh, this is horrible. Oh, get out. Oh, don't don't continue. It doesn't matter where your level is. Everyone will experience it. This idea of the central governor theory that your your brain's trying to trick you and say, oh, you know, you can't you can't go on. Uh, obviously, uh, Roger Bannister, first guy uh, to run under the four minute mile, and at the time, leading physician said it's impossible. Like humans can't run under four minutes um, for a mile. And as soon as he did it. Uh, afterwards, it was something crazy, like 10 people the following month broke it. But at the time, it was it was like, you can't do it. And I know right now we're so close to, to breaking the two-hour marathon. And I do believe when we do it, this physiological mental handbrake will just kind of come off. And I think that's one thing to answer your question. Certainly, I got hit with, which was uh, probably the 100K swim with, with the 100-pound tree in the Caribbean, just because there were six foot waves, I was seasick. I couldn't keep like my food down, and I was just sort of like, a, you know, jellyfish was stinging me, and I was just like, Ross, what are you doing? What has led you to this point? And yeah. you, so many things going through your head, going like, oh, if I go back to shore right now, will, will people just think, well, that was awful? I saw how far you. And you think of every reason to stop and keep going, and I think that's. You know, it doesn't matter what your sport, even powerlifting, to use an example we can both, you know, we, we can all relate to. I always find it really interesting that, you know, on a bench press, for instance, or a squat, as soon as you unrack it, you've probably made the decision in your head whether you're going to do it or not. And that's why things like smelling salts, your friend hitting you on the back, going inside, because as soon as you think, oh, that's heavy, it's like, whoa, neurologically, stuff's going on that probably isn't going to make this lift a success. <laughs> I mean, we've spoken yeah. about that before, how, like, even with, like, so I can't, the 531 by Jim Wendler, like, it's a classic strength program, but when somebody says, yeah, it's an AMRAP, um, my head goes, no, 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 it's not, I, I, tell me what I'm going to do, like, uh, I need to know, no, no, Tom, just do as many as you know, yeah, but there's a number you're looking for, so tell me it, um, so, right? yeah, yeah, it's just, I, my brain goes, no, I need my target, I need my finishing point, I need my finishing line. Like that needs to be done. And then there's other people that are like, yeah, fuck it. Just keep on going. And that'll be great for them. Just, yeah, burpees, go. All right. Yeah. We'll co- I'll come back in a bit. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, it's really fucking weird. But that just happens. And then, yeah, you're right with the breaking barrier. I remember me and Dan training bench press when we were about, what were we, 22, 23 years old. 
and then hitting a, hitting a hundred kilos is a big, big like stride in any man's career, right? And then <laughs> I could not hit it for about six months. Then that was two, a great, that was a great that six was, months. Like, it. It was I was like, awful. There, like I was like, what is going on? Then two weeks after I hit it, hit it for free, and I'm like, well, what the fuck was that about? I'm just like, well, how can I do one? And now I do all the training in. Now I can hit it for free straight away. Just done. Yeah. Absolutely done. So, that is such a good thing. It's everyone would, yeah. And it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's in strength. It's the same, right? And I know it's, oh, it sounds cliche. It's all in your head, but it's crazy how it is. And then sometimes you will just have a lift where it just makes you just kind of reevaluate, oh, actually, what am I capable of? <laughs> this is such a good point. So, um, yeah. And I guess, like, looking at all those challenges back now, you're obviously, how, when, when was the first one when you did? I think, yeah, how so many that was. Years? The, the World's Strongest Marathon, that was uh, two years ago now. Cool. So, yeah. So, uh, from, so you've had two years of essentially educating what you're saying anecdotally, kind of seeing what works for you. What mm. has changed since you did that first one and how you prepared yourself to now, how you're preparing yourself to a forum now? So, obviously, there was, you, you must have went in with some kind of plan hopefully or it was just like <laughs> fuck it i'll do it thursday um and then now you've you're two years into what you like actually i've got to have some sort of specialist training regimen that you've obviously got what's changed yeah yeah so that's a, I, I like that only because it has all got slightly more refined yeah and within the book we talk about um a pyramid of priorities so for those listening if you can imagine a pyramid and at the very base of that pyramid you know you have the foundations there are things that you have to do before you progress any further you know you can't build you know a castle on the sand is, is the saying and so like looking at you know strength training for instance um it doesn't matter if, if somebody came to us and they were like i want to you know I want to bench 100 kilos you know we get that you know young guys yeah. starting the gym i want to bench 100 kilos that's you know like you said that is you know, a tick right there, that is, you know, man points. <laughs> and um, at the very first, you need to look at that pyramid of priority. At the very base, you need to actually master lifts. You know, you might get the odd freak of nature who can come in and just like, muscle their way through some obscene bench press. But more often than not, you need to drill those motor patterns. Neurologically, you need to understand what is going on. You know, after which you can maybe look at that athlete and say, okay, now we need to increase your work capacity. So your body's ability to perform and positively tolerate training of a given intensity or duration. What I mean by that is if you guys had anyone, you know, and, and somebody came to you and said, okay, I want to start strength training, you need to identify their work capacity because you can't just go right and give them some crazy training routine or not even crazy, some moderate training routine. But if they've been sedentary, their body's not going to positively adapt to that. Then you can start looking if they are, you know, are, you know, not particularly, um, sort of uh, very well developed high muscle mass you can start to look at you know hypertrophy and i think too often in strength training hypertrophy is seen as like a dirty word it's just like oh you know you know bodybuilding centric work oh, oh you can't do that and it's just like well no again you know you look at the you know chinese olympic lifting team one of the greatest um you know olympic lifting nations and you know they will be seen to do bicep curls basically reverse bicep curls you know trying to strengthen that particular part of that kinetic chain and so what's great is deconstructing the, the sorry the point to answer your question is deconstructing a point so when you have that end goal think okay that's where i need to be but what does this pyramid of priority look like to actually get there and i think too often people are doing it in reverse again to use strength as an example 
Um, you know, a lot of people will see someone like Andy Bolton or Eddie Hall, you know, using chains and bands and they're looking at rate of force development. It's like, yeah, but that's come from years of mastering lifts, years of understanding work capacity, years of actually building the muscle mass required to generate those forces. And I think, you know, too often now you'll see people just go, well, yeah, bands, chains. And it's like, yeah, they have their place, but you need to know how to use them and do the basics first. So, yeah, hopefully... I've become a little bit more refined and intelligent in my approach. I like to think. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. 20k swim. You sound really intelligent. Yeah. Yeah. That's Straight not my up. definition of intelligence. Yeah, I'll just... tell you that. <laughs> you sound absolutely fucking mental. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's fine, isn't it? Um, anyway, I think that's enough of the heavy stuff uh, for today. Heavy We're stuff? Gonna, uh, that was heavy. Jeez. Yeah, that all, was heavy, all, Ross. Welcome training, to our show. Yeah. That was heavy. Yeah. Just, yes. uh... now, now, now we're going to ask you the questions we ask all our guests. Um, I, I, I have one more that I think it's just because a lot of our people are personal trainers and a lot of them are coaches, nutritionists, that's kind of our world. But one more, more serious question. I guess it's something to – because obviously Ross has been in the fitness game for a while and – when you got into it or people you, that basically I want to know who do you look up to and where do you get your knowledge base from and who do you follow? Because obviously you're a big guy to follow. And I think what a lot of people like to know is like, where the fuck is this guy getting all his knowledge from? He's obviously learning from somewhere. He's not plucking out of thin air. So I mean, people love, I mean, we, we get guests on the show because we fucking love their work and we want to, we, we want to know them basically. I and mean, it's a great way of fucking talking to them. But yeah, there's, um, who you follow? What's, what are the people you're looking at? Yeah, that's a good question. Only because I think like most, and, and, uh, and actually it'll be good to get your opinion on this. So I'll ask you the question afterwards. But I think a trend in fitness right now is, you know, the, the Insta famous, you know, and there's a lot of people on Instagram. So, and then, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to call out any names or anything like that, but there's a lot of people who, you know, with huge followings. Oh, feel but... free, mate. Feel free if you want to. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they, they don't, you know, they're not necessarily preaching, you know, credible science-backed strength and conditioning principles or nutrition principles, no. you know, and it's just, it's a big pet hate of mine. And I think, you know, certainly with the book, that was one thing that I wanted to do was create a, an army of experts, not followers. Not that, that everybody can be, you know, there are some amazing personal trainers and nutritionists out there. And I think what's brilliant is this book will allow um, everybody to have like a real conversation, exactly what we've just done. OK, I want to improve my squat, bench, deadlift. And there's an exchange of ideologies. And, and I think everyone should be an expert to an extent. You know, we're always going to need coaches and personal trainers and nutritionists, but at least you empower yourself a little bit. Um, but there are, like I said, there's just stories of guys like Jeff Capes. You won't find Jeff Capes on Instagram or Facebook and stuff. But, you know, and, and so that's why it's such a shame that so, and I think that's why I wanted to write the book, that what he knows about strength and, and, and conditioning is amazing. But you have to go, you know, to Lincolnshire and sit and drink tea in his garden. He's got a really nice garden. And, um, <laughs> and we just sit there and, and he will tell me stories you know, like I remember he was talking about the Dinny Stones and he was like one of the hardest events I've ever done, Ross, the Dinny Stones. And I was like, the Dinny Stones? I was like, do you mean the Atlas Stones? He was like, nope, Dinny Stones. And I was like, what is this? He then told me about Dixie Dinny, who's a famous Scottish. If you Google it again, people listening, um, he's a famous Scottish strong man. And there's a legend. I believe it's five stones up in Scotland. 
that you kind of like deadlift and then sort of duck waddle across a bridge. And it's this event in Scotland that I was like, no. And I Googled it and sure <laughs> enough, it's true. You know, the Dinny Stones. And so there's these, you know, and then you look at the Highland Games and you start to like immerse yourself in the history of that. And I just think there's a, like an abundance of information and stuff out there. You know, like I said, the Sam Bushman fell runners. You know, what fell runners know about endurance and mental fortitude is unbelievable. But you won't understand that unless you go to Keswick and learn about the Bob Graham, a famous 24-hour race. And, you know, there's all these stories that I call them almost fitness folklore. But too often now people are looking to Instagram and looking at, you know, how to, how to get shredded in six weeks. It's just like, no, you know, and that's why genuinely what you guys are doing is just incredible. And I know you joke is that you just, you feel like you're just chatting and catching up, but it's so valuable because that's how we used to learn. And I think it's a, not a, a lost art form, but I think what you guys are doing is, you know, awesome for that reason. So what you're saying, Ross, is you follow us. That's, <laughs> that's what everyone wants to hear. That's what they want to hear. They're already here, Ross. We're fine. Yeah. Um... yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, I think you're right. I do think um, I think some of the some of the the best feedback we've had from this podcast have been episodes where we have delved into some quite deep topics, or, or we've given our views on things. And I know that um, you know from from years of training people, like you said, is it's not always a case of we are we do use science, we do use evidence where possible. But we always kind of say, yeah, but we've just seen this time and time again. No one's ever going to study whether Deborah should be doing a goblet squat or a back squat. But I know from looking at her, and I know from training so many Debras over the years that. She don't need to back squat. So let's actually focus on the person in front of us. And we talked last week on the last uh, podcast about assessments. And we talked about, funnily enough, um, how we how Tom's changed. I don't do so much one-to-one anymore, but how Tom's changed how he assesses his clients a little bit and thought about an assessment process, much like you've just talked about and how the body as a whole has got so many different functions and so many different qualities to it. And that we so often just assess people and go, right, you can move, you can squat, okay, that's fine, you're, you're healthy. But he was saying, well, actually, no, we should do a 30-second anaerobic test on a stair master. We should do a, um, sorry, a, an airdyne, whatever it's called. And we should do, you know, a 500-meter row and, and try and beat a time. And that's an assessment of someone's, you know, health and their endurance and their, and their stamina rather than just, okay, they can move their hip through this range of motion. That's all well and good. But actually, how's their performance? And, um, and yeah, I think that's the, the thing that I think that we always talk about is we talk about the real-life stuff, which again, is, is, is the stuff that you can't really find on an Instagram post um, and go, oh, that's really good information because it requires you to understand the conversation to require how you, to understand how you got to that end point and how you got to that end conclusion. You have to understand the method and the, and the chat and the analysis of that to then go, okay, that's how I'm going to apply it because you might then not apply that to some other population because the population could be the key bit of context you need to get to the same conclusion. And that's why I, I think I can only imagine the conversations you've had to, develop this book must have been amazing you must have sat there going oh my fucking god i've learned so much just from chatting to these people and it's a great position to be in to be able to then put that into a book and and, and share that because like you said you're not going to find it on uh, on an instagram post or a facebook post because it's it's been it's gone you know even if it wasn't made a post about it, it's gone in two weeks no one no one remembers it so That's it's pretty good and also just like you said there like the real life kind of understanding of it. I mean, you look at, um, again, to, to use an example, like, you know, Usain Bolt, they said, biomechanically, he's too tall to be a sprinter. When he comes out of the blocks, he's too tall, he's rocking, he's biomechanically. And it's just like, well, he's got a few gold medals that beg to differ. Uh, Mike Johnson as well, 200 and 400 meter uh, Olympic champion. What he achieved in those 
discipline, those sports was unbelievable. And I don't know if it would be rival today. Again, when you look at, for those who remember Michael Johnson, he was very upright. He used to like stick his bum out. And again, when you look at that as, as gate analysis, when you look at the biomechanics, you say, well, you're too upright. You're shortening your stride. And again, I was fortunate enough to, to have met Michael and it was it was amazing. He was sitting down and there was loads of sports scientists in the room and some of the best biomechanics in the world were really passionately trying to help Michael. And they were just there going like, yeah, you know, but look, and they were looking, going, look, if, if you're able to do this, that, you can lengthen your stride. I really feel that we can improve the millisecond. And Michael just like sat there. And I remember they went, because your, 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 your stride, it's too short. And he just went, but... And he had a really deep voice, if you remember, and he just went, yeah. He goes, but if I take shorter strides, I can take more of them, and I get to the finish quicker. And I was just like, <laughs> yes. Like, it doesn't matter. You can say anything you want, but, like, he's got gold medals. He's yeah. the one who did it. So to your point, Dan, it's so right. For every study that you can bring up, and, and everyone now, I think, you know, it's really easy to – go on like Google Scholar and bring up studies and start referencing to to troll people. On these. And it's just like, no, do you know what? Listen to the guys on the front line. And that, I'm not necessarily they saying that is Usain Bolt and Jeff Capes. You know, it's guys like yourself as well who have lived and breathed it, you know, and I think that's really valuable that those people who have lived and breathed it and been on the front line, they, they will all have something to teach you. So, yeah. Absolutely. Totally agree. Should we get to the uh, the, the better questions, mate? <laughs> yeah, well, this is what people hang around for, isn't it? People yeah. hang around for these questions, mate. You've got to, you've got to go for it. You got to do your thing. <laughs> so I've got it written down. Um, so I guess we're more famous in the fitness industry, but probably um, our opinions on burgers and cereal, um, basically. So we we have to ask these questions because it is kind of like folklore now. Um, so if you were going to go for, you got any toppings? Obviously, you've got fucking 15,000 calories. You're going to have every single top and going. But you're going to go burger and milkshake combo, Ross. Um, yeah. You can have any toppings you like. Don't put, like, we've had some fucking ridiculous answers. And you're allowed any, like, any Anything. topping you like. Um, and then any milkshake you like. It's a combo. That's your meal. What, what, you, what you're hitting. Right. Honestly, if you guys are up here and if you've not tried it, I need to take you. Okay. In Stockport, they do a donut burger. I'm telling you it works. Ooh, People yeah. look at me weirdly gone out it, cause, and they're like, what do you mean a donut burger? And I'm like, no, but the sweet and savory works. So it's like, it's like a pancake with maple syrup and bacon. And, and people are like, yeah, yeah, I'll have that. So honestly, like, like, get it's it, cool. totally get it. Oh, like, like a pink glaze and just like, yeah, just sprinkle on that. And then just cheese, burger, just it works. And just, yeah, bacon, crispy bacon, it works. So, yeah, donut burger and just layer it. Just layer Shit, it. I think that is... That could be the best answer. That could be that possibly is. the best answer. I mean, like, Tony Gentlecore was pretty strong. He just, just like peanut butter, fucking shit tons of bacon, everything around there. I think there was that around there. But, yeah, I mean, like... You've taken a whole new level. No one's changed the no bun. No one's changed before. the you've bun. They've donut. got. You've That's... been like, well, fuck, fuck the bun off, mate, and just get rid of. Every them. time I have seen, to be honest, I have seen those on Instagram. They look incredible. And those, if, they... if, oh. if if we were assessing a burger, what's the kind of the worst part? Is the bun, right? You're like, yeah. I wish there was more burger to this. Like, really? Yeah. And you're like, all right, let's just fucking yes, yeah, get donut. They're far better. 
Great idea, Ross. Good. Tea. Honestly, I... <laughs> yeah, I will take you donut burger. I'm telling you, it's amazing. You won't regret it. It'll be worth the... just like have a pilgrimage. Just drive up. Like honestly, we'll have them layered. We'll do like a 20k swim and just donut burgers along the side, and every like one k smash. I think we need to get on to. I mean, I've got a meeting with uh, the Ortons for body power. Maybe we just ask them to put a. Burger donut, donut place in. Honestly, like... done. Me, Jamie, <laughs> me, Jamie, and Phil Learner, we were on about a man versus food challenge because Phil Graham as well, he can put away can his put food. Away. Yeah. So we're right, done. Well, we're well going on if that's the case, then, then can like to me and Dan like tag team because we're about like both of us together, we're probably about the size of two, like one of you. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also, if we're doing if 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 we're doing this whole thing, I, I'm not signed up to any swimming. Not happening. On the back of that, and what's your milkshake, man? Yeah, again, up here they do these uh, like amazing freak shakes where it is just it just gets silly in that you just have a milkshake. It's not a milkshake; it is just ice cream. You know, it's mm. that that consistency and that's key. Can't be too watery. Can't be too thick. You, you know, you don't need a spoon with it, but you know, you need more than a straw. It's yeah. one of those consistencies. Yeah. And then at the same time as well, like up here, it just goes nuts. So there's just Haribo like layers of there, and then just like Toblerone, but just stick a Toblerone in the top. Let's not get like too you know pretty and decorating it. Let's just go bold, you know. So yeah, I'm talking like yeah, freak shake like like that whippy consistency with Haribo and a Toblerone in the top. Bang. Done. <laughs> See, everyone goes far too conservative. Someone was like, "Oh, chocolate." I was like, "What? Like, Come on, you've got all the options in the world here." Like, they're just chocolate. Yeah. Simple person. Oh, that was it. Um, and then, and then the last one is is cereal. Now, there's two categories for the cereal. There's there's the the cereal that is the most decadent, the one you love, the taste of, incredible cereal. And then there's your everyday cereal because you can't have like a decadent cereal every day. You've got to have your favourite one, which is like a nice, a nice treat you love the taste of, and then you've got to have your staple, like one you could have every single day. Yeah, okay. This is probably going to be a bit weird. So, because I, I love granola, and I love like yogurt as well. Weird backstory with the yogurt. I I remember when I was with um with the Sam Bushman in Namibia. So I went like two weeks out there. Uh, all I had for those two weeks was uh, half a porcupine to eat. And uh, basically pretty dehydrated as well. But we, we found like an elephant waterhole and it was dry season. So all of the, the animals from the Namibian desert come to this waterhole. So not only did they drink from it, they also basically use it as a toilet. So I was drinking from this like giant puddle and adding iodine as well to it. So you can pretty much drink anything as long as you add that. But I remember sipping, trying to avoid the elephant sort of shit floating around as well so i was dehydrated and not in a good way and when i got back to the hotel after this um i remember yogurt was just like that was what i wanted because i was thirsty but hungry at the same time so it was just like yogurt and granola so to answer your point that would be the healthy one and then when i want to really just go nuts it's just like add chocolate to it but like so much chocolate where it becomes more chocolate than granola and yogurt you know so it's, just, it's just a chocolate bar basically <laughs> So it's the same, but it's like when I'm going nuts, you know, I'll I'll get like, you know, dark chocolate, whatever brand, and then I'll just add so much to it, it actually becomes chocolate. I think that's, yeah. that's a good shout because basically we're like, I mean, we've, we've, we've fucking like ranked them from like 
A stars to fucking Fs, but um, we would generally go towards like the clusters stuff. Is like a little bit like you know, but if you add the chocolate into the clusters, mm. it does change the game, right? Because the peanut butter clusters are shite, and then the good yeah. clusters are like with the chocolate bits in it. So I couldn't it's too dry with too dry without chocolate. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. It's a good, it's yeah, a good yeah. shower. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the yogurt is like kind of lube a little bit, you know, so it's wow. not all like, right. you know, and then chocolate is just, just chocolate. I've, I've got, yeah. a, like, I don't get the yogurt thing, mate. I, I mean. I'm with you. I, I like yogurt. I'm with you. I like nah, yogurt. Nah, it's definitely milk. It's just got, just don't, no, yogurt's a bit odd. No, I get, like, there's times where, like, I love lactose. Like, I remember, like, if I go to a restaurant sometimes, one of my favourite things to have, cheesecake. But yep. then I'll say, but with the cheesecake, and they'll say, oh, do you want custard or ice cream? And I'll say both. And then, <laughs> so they put both on it. And then sometimes I'll just be like, and this is really weird. And I'll say to the waiter or waitress, can I just get, like, a pint of ice cold milk? So we've got custard, cheesecake, ice cream, ice cold milk lactose i'm happy done <laughs> i totally get that like ice like ice cold milk with fucking any, anything i like you probably arrive i could take you on there man like i eat i must drink shit tons of milk more than anybody else than i really know i feel like a child when i have it i'm like i'm not gonna have a milk after dinner right yeah it keeps me strong that's the thing <laughs> it's proven yeah. um no but i guess there's one more thing i want to ask ross just and obviously, we know your connection with ProteinWorks. Obviously, fantastic work with there. But we've got to go, you cannot answer ProteinWorks. Um, in terms of, I'm guessing you have tried other protein bars um, within your, uh, <laughs> your basically career and being alive. What is your favorite protein bar? That is a good question. Just because it's, you and you guys will know, having been in the industry, is remember when it was a workout for your jaw? Yeah. Or <laughs> yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. Like the days of, oh, I remember the first protein bar I had, it was just, you just got a hench jaw kind <laughs> of chow down on them. So they've changed. But like now they're doing some crazy stuff with it where it's like wafery stuff. But I still go back. Do you know what? I still go back to, uh, oh God, I think it, like the cookie dough type ones. I know like metrics, like, which is old, but the old school ones, they were decent just because you felt like you were getting one. Now <laughs> I think like a wafery one, they're not bad, but they're very light. If you want a protein bar, you want, you want a, you want a protein, you want a brick. So, but not the consistency of it, but you want you want to be like, this is a man bar. You know, this is just, yeah. I think, like, yeah, when we, we used to smash through Quest bars, like, going out of fashion here at Third Space, and they're fucking chewy as hell. Looking back now, like, I can't imagine why I ever used to eat them, but... We like, used to think they were just... as well, though. Yeah. Like, they're challenge. Like, they're, they're absolutely nuts, right? But yeah, we could probably, like, sample a shit ton at Body Power, which leads into Body Power, Ross. Yeah. yeah. Body I Power mean, is one of those events, though, where you just live on protein bars and then on Monday morning you regret it because it's not a good feeling. Your, your, your stomach is a bit all over the place after Body Power because you've had a few of the BCAs, you've tried them, you've had a few pre-workouts to try, and it's not a good place to be. It is. By Monday, you, you just want a vegetable. Don't yeah, you? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just want a vegetable. Just give us something. You know, broccoli, yeah. like just an orange, an apple. Just give us something. <laughs> something good for us. Um, but yeah, um, so yeah, we're going to be there. Ross, you're going to be there? Are you speaking? Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm giving a few talks. Um, so we're doing the uh, the World's Fittest Book Club, actually, where we're going to have this kind of sit down chat with, uh, you know, Jamie Alderson, Phil Learney, Phil Graham, uh, James Smith, who I know, you know, you know, all of these guys. So you're going to have to rock on over. And also we've got the Sled Drag Championships as well. Um, which I'm buzzing about. I think it's going to be just because I don't know who's going to win that. I Jamie Alderson be just... has been training for that all of his fucking like last two, three years, hasn't he? That's all he does. <laughs> yeah. So that that's going to be awesome as well. Um, I don't know. I don't. I, you know, I don't know who is going to come out of the woodwork on that. If Jamie is just going to like, you know, put on the the running spikes and crush it. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll be certainly around for all of those three days so it's gonna be nice to actually meet in person and uh and, and yeah chow down on some protein bars <laughs> yeah, definitely donut burgers, as we or discussed donut Man versus exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing all right um yeah i guess for literally anybody who's living under a rock and doesn't know where to find ross or his book or him at body power give us a brief uh outlook of where, where they anybody can find you mate that's, yeah, so um, yeah, doing uh, so the world's uh, fittest book that's available on Am- Amazon, uh, Waterstones, and W. H. Smith. Um, and uh, I think after Body Power as well, um, should everything go to plan, we will be announcing uh, the world's fittest book tour. Which, as you can imagine, having done all of the weird things I have done in the past, we've had to do something quite big to top all of those things. Um, so we'll be documenting that on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter as well. Oh, so you, You're going to run around each city, aren't you? Literally from place to place. Like with, I reckon you're going to probably do it maybe with like a tent on your back so that you can just <laughs> sleep just... on the side of the road and then wake up and then just carry on going. <laughs> that, that would be all right. That would I would prefer to do that to what we've possibly got agreed okay that would that would be yeah so but you'll be the first to know anyway i'll let you guys know about it uh, you know it'll just be a really mundane fucking book signing that's it (laughs) you've got like a real nice tour bus uh, going around i'll be on that mate a feather feather to sign all the books (laughs) so i've made it now i don't need to do any of that shit it's fine um In donut burgers, just like a competitive eater. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> All right, amazing guys. All right, um, any further questions, Dan, or should we actually let him get back to his second session, third session, no, fourth he's, session? He's got he's got so many more session. training sessions to fit in now, so we'll realize. let them get back to it. But uh, no, good good catching up, Ross. And yeah, we'll be catch up with you at body power we'll get some pictures we'll obviously let all the guys know where you're going to be there as well so they'll come and see all the listeners can come and meet you um so yeah thanks for coming on it's been a pleasure it's been lots of fun um i think we've laughed a lot this podcast um most interviews seem to be quite serious this one's been a bit more chilled out so uh, <laughs> that was good and um yeah can't wait to uh, to catch up at body power Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. And like I said, open invite, donut burgers, get yourself up to Chester. Be careful because we're going to take, we're going to take, take that off. That, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, every, every <laughs> couple of weeks, it sounds like we're going to be there now. Donut burgers <laughs> on. Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. No worries. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. And we will see you next week.